0: Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. And Today, I want to do something a little different I haven't done for several years. and I want to just talk to you a little bit about my own story. Now, if you look at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26... All three give Paul's testimony, his, his story, what happened to him. And then there's at least six other times in the New Testament where portions of it are given. Now, the reason this is significant is in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8, Jesus said, And you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. You're supposed to be a witness unto him. Now, what most Christians think that they need to do is they need to share some deep spiritual truth with somebody. But what Jesus said you need to do is you just need to tell somebody what he's done for you. Tell your story. This is where I was. This is what happened. And this is what God did. And that's really what uh, touches people's lives more than anything else. Theology doesn't change people's lives, right? But your story, what God has done in your life has the ability to change people's lives because what you've gone through or where God brought you from is where so many people are today, right? Three times in the book of Acts, Paul's testimony, half a dozen other times mentioned in the New Testament. So I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of my story. Born here, right in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Blasio Hospital, right? brought up in Grand Rapids, went to church. We went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, went to catechism. Uh, And and I would just say that uh, I didn't like church. I didn't like it at all. In fact, I hated Sunday the whole day because we couldn't do anything. Uh, I remember sitting in church and my dad would pass me peppermints trying to keep me behaving, you know? And then when I didn't behave, he pinched me so hard, right? And then sometimes he hauled me out and, you know, he was patriotic. He laid on the stripes and I saw the stars. I mean, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was not a good thing, all right? I did not like church. Not that I didn't like God, I just didn't like church, right? Uh, when, when I was young, before I had any memory, I was brought to church and they you know they baptized you. They sprinkled you. Uh, kind of give you a little dry cleaning. You know, a little sprinkle. And and uh, I was about ten years old when uh, I remember laying on my bed, kind of stretching out and saying, "God, I, I, I want you, God. You know, I'm uh, I I I don't uh, I want to be part, I want to belong to you." Uh, and I expected something to happen. Now, here's the thing: I went to church literally every Sunday morning, every Sunday night until I was 20 years old. And I never, one time, heard an invitation to receive Christ. I never saw one person get saved. And I didn't have a clue how to get saved. Did not have a clue. Because in the church that that I was brought up in, once they baptized you as a baby, they believed you were in, right? And actually what happened, this is a little bit later in the story, but I get saved. I win my brother-in-law to the Lord. I'm down in Dallas in, in Bible college. He leads my dad to the Lord. My dad's 49 years old. He leads my dad to the Lord 10 days before he dies. Right? And my dad had been in church for 49 years and not one time had ever heard an invitation or seen a single person get saved in 49 years. And, and I know that some of us are brought up in, in traditions where we, we love God, We believe in God, but yet there's not an opportunity to give God your heart and life. The Bible says in John 1, 12, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. It's not enough just to believe in God. You've got to receive him. And In fact, we're going to give you an invitation, an opportunity to do that at the close of this service. So as I'm laying on that bed and, and nothing happened that I could tell, uh, Because of the the tradition that I was brought up in, uh, we literally believed that some people were supposed to go to hell and some people were supposed to go to heaven. And if you were going to go to heaven, tough. Nothing you could do to keep you from there. And if you were going to go to hell, there was nothing you could do to get you to heaven. You were just going to go to hell. Well, I prayed and nothing happened, so I just figured I'm one of those people that are supposed to go to hell. And I thought... Well, if I'm going to go, I may as well go for a good reason. (laughs) So literally for 10 years, I was given reasons. Uh, All right. Now, in the, well, let me just say this. In Romans 8, verse 29, it says, Whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined. It says that God's predestination is based on God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge is God's ability to look ahead and see what's going to happen. You and I do not know what's going to happen on January 6, but God does. He knows what's going to happen on January 6th, 50 years from now, because he is not confined by time. You and I are confined by time. So foreknowledge is God's ability to look ahead, see what happens. And whom he foreknew, everybody he saw receive Jesus, he predestined. They are the elect. In fact, I tell people, you can win the election. The devil votes against you, God votes for you, and whoever you vote for, they win. It's pretty simple. All right. So <clears throat> although I wasn't right with God, I was still hungry for God. It's Luis, Luis Palau said, excuse me, Pascual, Pascual said this. He said, there is a God-sized vacuum on the inside of every person. And we can try to fill it with success, with education, drugs, or alcohol, or sex, or money, or possessions, or achievements. We can try to fill it with so many different things. But the truth is, until God fills that spot on the inside we're not going to be fulfilled. Uh, I, I just saw a video recently, and it was talking about money, and it says it's never enough. It's never enough. But the same thing is true with drugs or alcohol or possessions or whatever it is. It's never enough to fill that void that was meant for God because you and I were created to have a relationship with God. So uh, after graduating from high school, I, I worked at Steelcase a little bit and got some money together, went to Calvin College. Uh, I, I remember there was this, this skinny guy. His name was Jim Lucas. This guy, if you're Mexican, we, we would call him un fideo. He's like a spaghetti. I mean, he was just like skinny, okay? <laughs> a skinny guy. I would, every afternoon, I'd go over to the gym to run three, four miles, and, 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 uh, Jim Lucas is trying to keep up and, and he's trying to talk to me about spiritual things about God. And he's, uh, God, uh, uh. you know, and I'm trying to get away from him. <laughs> and so finally he says to me, he says, uh, you know, he says, you, 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 there's a new church that's starting. He says, they're meeting at Jerabee's party place. And I thought, well, that sounds like an interesting church <laughs> meeting at a party place. And he said, well, you ought to check it out. So uh, I went. Went that Sunday night. And it was different than any church that that I'd ever been in. Uh, I do not remember one word the pastor said, but what touched my heart was the worship. I had never been in a service like it before. Uh, There was a lady that was, was near me and her hands were up in the air and tears were running down her face. And and I knew what was happening. I, for the first time in my life, I felt the presence of God. First time in my life. So afterwards, Bruce, who used to be my neighbor, lived across the street growing up. He comes over and he says, uh, hey, did you, in, did you enjoy the service? And I said, yeah. And he says, did you enjoy the sermon? I lied. And I said, yes, because I don't know what he said. And he said, what about the worship? And I said, yeah, that was great. And he kept asking me questions and I kept on saying yes and yes. And, and so finally he said to me, he said, uh, would you like to be forgiven and be right with God and go to heaven? And I thought to myself, that is the stupidest question I have ever heard in my life. I, who wouldn't want to be forgiven? Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Who wouldn't want to be right with God? That is a stupid question, but he's, Waiting for an answer, And I said, "Well, sure, who wouldn't want that? But I'm of the, the, the persuasion or the thought that I can't get saved. Now listen, listen to me. Sometimes the most dangerous thing is the thing that you know to be true that isn't true. What you think is true but is not true, because I really believed I could not be saved. That's what I believe. So he opens his Bible. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, like, I want to see that myself. It's in the Bible. Romans 10, 13, he shows me. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, I knew enough to know I was a whosoever. So he said, you want to pray? I said, yes and I got down on my knees, repeated a prayer after him, and we got done, and he said, that's it. He said, you're saved. Now, I didn't feel any different, and he was smart enough to tell me, it's not based on your feelings. It's based on what God has said in his word, and God can't lie, and God said, you're saved. Well, here's what I didn't realize was happening. All of a sudden, I mean like the next morning, I get up and I want to read my Bible, and then crazy thing—I start wanting to go to church. I want to worship God. I want to be around Christians, and all the stuff that I didn't want to do before, I wanted to do, and all the stuff that I wanted to do before, I didn't want to do. You know, I've had people say, "If I become a Christian, do, can I not do this? Can I, or can, do I have to do this? Do I, what do I have to do?" Listen, when you become a Christian. Your want to changes. What you want to do changes. And a lot of the things you wanted to do before, you don't want to do. And the things that you didn't want to do, you want to do. The Bible says, if anyone's in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I'm at Calvin College and I'm taking sociology and psychology and trigonometry, and all I want to do is read my Bible. I just want to read my Bible and praise the Lord. Well, a friend says to me, hey, I'm going to go to Bible college down in Dallas, Texas. He says, maybe you ought to come with me. I think you should come. Well, I talked to my parents about it, and they said, no, you should stay at Calvin College. You need to finish, and then you can go to Calvin Seminary. But I didn't want to go to Calvin Seminary because before I got there, I had to take all these classes. I wanted to study the Bible. And so inside, like every time I think about the the Bible college, my, my, my spirit's leaping inside, but you know, the Bible says to honor your father and your mother. I mean, that's one of the big 10. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'd like to go to Bible college, but I know them. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. And they want me to stay. And I remember getting down on my knees at my bed and I'm praying and I said, God, I am confused. I do not know what to do. Anybody else ever been there? I'm confused. I do not know what to do. I don't know what to do. Now, as I look back today, the first thing that comes to my mind is Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. But when, I, when I've said, God, I don't know what to do, but if you will show me what to do, no matter what it is, I will do it. When I said that, I heard an audible voice, and it said, get up and go to Dallas. I freaked out, <laughs> literally. I went down the hall, checked the bedrooms, make sure nobody else was in the house. And I'm like, God is in my house. And that's weird, right? Now, somebody says, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, that's in the Bible. You, know, you, you, you look at the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Samuel's just a young boy. He lays down. And the Bible makes mention of this. It says, the word of the Lord was not yet known to Samuel. Because the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. So Samuel's laying down and he hears a voice that says, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli and said, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't. I didn't call. Go lay down. He lays back down. He hears the voice. It says, Samuel, Samuel. He runs over to Eli. Eli says, I, I didn't call you. He says, but if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And He goes back and the voice again says, Samuel. Samuel, and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. All through the Old Testament, you'll find this phrase, and the word of the Lord came unto them, saying, and to that person, it's audible. Now, Eli wasn't far away. He didn't hear a thing, but to the person, it's an audible voice. So I I sat down with my parents, and and I said, I love you guys. I want to honor you, but I know that I'm supposed to go to Dallas and I'm going to go to Dallas. You know, sometimes honoring is an attitude more than it is obedience. Right? And it was an, I had an attitude of submission, an attitude of honor, but I knew I had to do what God had called me to do. went to, to uh, Bible college, and, and interestingly enough, I got depressed. And I do not get depressed, right? but I got depressed. I thought, man, I am so carnal, and everybody here is so spiritual. I I actually called my dad, and I said, "Come and get me." Now it was uh, early December, and uh, that year there was already snow up here, and I only had a motorcycle. So my dad was going to bring a trailer down and and pick me up and bring me home. And I got praying, and I said, "God, I'll I'll stay out the semester." And then I said, "God, I know you want me here, and I'm going to stay." Well, that first semester, I had gotten a girlfriend, and. during the, the, the break, the Christmas break, uh, she had gotten a new roommate. And so I went to pick up my girlfriend. She was in, uh, those of you who know Christ of the Nations, she was in Mary Martha House, room 202. And I knocked on the door and my girlfriend, she was always late, so she wasn't ready. And I was always a little early. So. But her new roommate was in the kitchen washing the dishes. And her roommate came out, walked through the living room where she could see the door that was open and I was standing outside the door. And uh, when she walked through the, 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 the living area there, I heard the voice again. I heard an audible voice that said, she will be your wife. And I thought, oh. I said, I'm here to pick up my girlfriend and my wife is doing the dishes. Look <laughs> <laughs> what I thought. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> Now, I'm going to say this right now. I never told her, never told her until after we were married. So I said to my girlfriend, I said, "Uh, what do you want to do? She says, I don't care. I says, how about we go to the mall? She says, oh, that'd be fun. I said, any of your roommates want to go? (laughs) 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 And uh, sure enough, she did. And the new one did. And she got in the back of that car and she did not stop talking. She'd been on a bus for three days coming from Washington state down to Dallas and her parents had told her, you know, if you want friends, you got to be friendly. She got in, she started talking boop, 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 and she did not stop. Boop, 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 boop. I remember looking at my girlfriend and rolled my eyes. and Oh gosh. And I said, God, this is not you. This is not you. This cannot be you. No, 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 All right. Well, we got in the same prayer meeting and, uh, Did a lot of praying. You know, it was a group of about 15, 10, 15 people, and we did a lot of praying together. And and finally, on on May 1, I I, uh, asked her for a date. And uh, May 3, I told her I loved her. And May 5, I asked her to marry me. And May 9, we got married. That's not true. It's all true except May 9. (laughs) We got married about three and a half, four months later. Uh, And so we went back. She uh, ended up going up to Washington right away. I went to Mississippi to work for a church in a coffee house that summer, and uh, we got back together about a week before the wedding. Got married, went back to school, and uh, we hadn't communicated a whole lot because obviously, and by the way, May 1, May 3, May 5, I'm telling you what happened. I'm not recommending you do it that way. (laughs) Okay? So, so during during our, our, our short little courtship there, about three four weeks, uh, she she fixed me a meal, and uh, right across the street from her apartment there was a little park, and so we sat there on the bench, and she made me biscuits and gravy. And some of you've heard this before, but I like almost everything. I I have eaten snakes. I've eaten monkeys. Um, what other strange things? Dead coons and possums and all kinds of strange stuff in different countries. And I like just about everything except biscuits and gravy. <laughs> and so she fixes biscuits and gravy. And so I ate them. And she said, oh, are they good? And I didn't want to tell her they weren't. This is my love, the love of my life. So I said, yeah, yeah they're, they're real good. She said, do you want more? I said, no. and everything was fine until we got married. And then three times a week, biscuits and gravy, biscuits and gravy, biscuits and gravy, biscuits and gravy. And I think both of us remember this. I I sat down at the table, and there they were. And I thought, if I eat one bite, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. And so I just pushed them away, and I said, I hate biscuits, and gravy. <laughs> she said, but you said they were good. I said, I lied. I <laughs> lied. <laughs> so tell the truth right away. Okay. Get yourself out of trouble. But we, we, had, uh, we had really a lot of fun learning to work on our communication. Right? When we graduated from uh, Bible college, we really did not have any firm direction in, in any I say? It? There was like, I want to do this, I want to do that. There really was nothing. I wanted to help somebody in ministry. The one thing I knew I didn't want to do was speak. I didn't want to speak publicly. I was a terrified of being in front of people. But there was a missionary in Mexico who just wanted somebody to come down and help them. And and uh, so we decided to go to Mexico. And really, the the only call that we had was Jesus said in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was the only call we had. It wasn't like I had this tremendous burden, or it wasn't like we had a visitation of any kind. We just went. Got down there, started to help the missionary. I would open up the doors, I'd sweep the floors, I'd clean the bathroom, set up the chairs, anything he needed done. But uh, we hadn't been there very long. And he got offended at what a couple of young men did that were a part of the ministry. And uh, I was over at his house and he said, he literally said, he said, that's it. He said, we're done, we're leaving. And I says, you can't leave. I mean, what about the ministry? And when I said that, he had the keys in his hands and he threw them up in the air. And he says, you can have the ministry or the devil can have the ministry. I don't care, we're gone. They packed that night and six o'clock the next morning, they were gone. And that's how I got in ministry, (laughs) seriously. So at the ministry there, we'd have a service. It was a coffee house, which we very quickly turned into a church. We had a Tuesday night, Thursday night, and a Sunday service. So I show up for service and I've got a translator. And by the way, this is the only way I was just petrified, petrified. I'm so glad I had a translator because you say something and then they say something. And that gives you time to figure out what you're going to say next. And then the other big benefit is 15-minute talk turns into 30-minute talk. So I I had this this translator, and and, uh, he was helping me out, and it was just going really well until uh, we had been there seven months at the time when he was in an accident. A city bus came down a one way the wrong way and hit him on his motorcycle. And he ended up in a full-body cast for nine months. So I showed up for church and found out I was preaching in Spanish. And I think I did pretty well until the invitation. You know, in Spanish, a sin is a pecado. But a fish is a pescado. Pecado, pescado. So I told him, if you'll come to Jesus, he will wash all your fish away. (laughs) you're laughing, but somebody got saved. (laughs) So, and uh, we we had many, many experiences like that one. But after we had been there for about two years, we're living in Guadalajara, city of about three and a half million people, uh, really very cosmopolitan. And a friend asked me to go with him out into the mountains of Mexico. So we end up, I end up going with him. Uh, from the nearest dirt, from the nearest road, paved road, we went about two hours on a dirt road. And then there was no more road. They met us, a bunch of mountain men met us, and they had some mules. And we threw our equipment on a mule and got on them and went 10 hours. It took us 10 hours on the mules, up the mountain, down the mountain. We got to this village called Buena Vista. I know Pastor Bernie has been there. I think, David, have you been to Buena Vista? No, he didn't go. Uh, but we get there, and it's a, about a hundred degrees there's no electricity, there's no running water, there's no bathrooms and and I asked i said uh, where's the bathroom?" And they said, "Al monte <laughs> oh, you all speak Spanish <laughs> the mountain anywhere in the mountain. So I go to uh, take care of business and and as I'm trying to take care of business, this monster, huge pig, charges. He can't wait for me to finish my business, to get at the business. And fortunately, there's a big old stone there, and I whack him on the head. And and, and let me just say this I am freaking out. I go over and I grab Javier by his shirt and I start shaking Javier. And I said, Javier, why did you bring me here? I said, This is not my ministry. I belong in cities that have running water, electricity and bathrooms. And I said, and we need to leave and we need to leave now. And he said, well, we can't. And I said, why? He said, number one, he said, we do not know the way. And that was true. And he said, number two, he said, we don't have any transportation. We don't have any mules. So we're there for three days. Um, literally, we'd had a service in the morning, service in the afternoon, service at night. We probably had in service uh, 10 hours a day. And when we weren't in service, they're taking us from hut to hut to pray for people. And, and I remember as I'm leaving, I, I climb up on a mule and I am literally, tears are running down my face. And it's because God has put in my heart that we need to move out of the city and we need to go and live in an Indian center so I can minister to those people. Now, let me just say this. There was nothing in the natural that made me want to do that. Nothing in the natural. But the Bible says that God himself is at work in you, and he inspires you to want what pleases him. In other words, God puts a desire in your heart. In Acts 7, verse 23, it says, And when Moses was a full 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. It came into his heart. God put it in his heart. And God put to move out to a village in my heart. Uh, I just want to say that God will put something in every person's heart. In fact, as I look back over 45 years of ministry, every single time that it was a major move, it was through desire. God puts the desire on the inside of you. And sometimes we mistake that and think it's us, but it's not us, it's God. So we're in that village for a couple years, and uh, I'm going to have to really accelerate here. God puts in my heart for us to move out of the village, go back to Guadalajara and teach in a Bible college. And I talked to Jeannie about it, and and, uh, it was interesting. God spoke to me about it, but he didn't speak to her about it at first. Eventually, God did speak to her about it. And we moved over to Guadalajara, we spent about three years teaching in a Bible college there. And we uh, went to St. Louis, Michigan, Michigan, excuse me, St. Louis, Missouri, to a missions conference. And uh, sitting in the back, 2.30 in the afternoon, Marilyn Hickey was preaching. And she was preaching on receiving your dream from God. I was sitting back there, finding my own business, taking notes. And this is the truth. We planned to be missionaries until the day that we died. We loved being missionaries. In fact, I really thought that if, it was kind of like to backslide to pastor in the United States. I mean, really spiritual people are on the mission field. Wimps, they pastor in America. Preach to the same bunch of people every week. That's That's no fun. That's not, there's no challenge in that. And as I'm listening to her, I don't know how else to explain this. The Lord visited me by revelation and said, leave Mexico, go to Grand Rapids. You're going to pastor, and you need to emphasize the word of God, missions, worship, and ministry to the next generation, to children and youth. Uh, I went back and talked to Jeannie about it, and uh, it's really interesting that she never, it, it was like I knew we were supposed to do it. She didn't know. And uh, she came along because it was like she was my wife, so goodbye Mexican life. I mean, she didn't have any any call. In fact, it was quite a while before we were here, before uh, God really put in her heart that this was the right thing. So we come back to Michigan, and my plan is to start a church. And uh, it was interesting uh, there just didn't seem to be a, a spot. We just couldn't get any traction starting a church. And uh, there were some other places, churches that were inviting us to come. And in fact, one church in the Midwest, they, just, they called every week and, and just kept on saying, you come and we'll do this and we'll do this and just kept on up in the ante. But I knew what we were supposed to do. And my mother said, would you please just leave and go someplace people want you? Nobody wants you around here. Well, you know, that just wasn't really helpful at the time. But so we get a phone call, and it's from, from Pastor Jim Buck, who started this church. At the time, it was called People's Church. And he says, hey, I'd like to meet you at Denny's on 44th Street in the Expressway. And I said, sure. So I go up, and uh, we sit down, and we're talking. And, and he says, I feel like I'm supposed to step down as the lead pastor, and you're supposed to become the new lead pastor. And I said, well, I'm not really interested in that. I want to start a church. Now, in Mexico, we had started churches, and, and we'd worked with a lot of churches. And, and one thing I knew, I didn't want to inherit anybody else's problems. I wanted to create all my own. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, said, I said, you know, I'm really not interested. And he said, well, will you at least pray about it. And I said, what do you say when somebody says, well, you pray about it? No, I won't pray. No, no. I said, oh, sure. You know, we'll pray about it. So I get back and I tell Jeannie, I said, babe, you know, I met with Pastor Bug, and, and Pastor Bug, you know, wants us to take over the church. He wants to step down. And, and, uh, I told him we'd pray about it, but I said, this is no, this is a no go, you know? And so, uh, I probably prayed three, four times during the week and I said, God, you know, help me let them down easy. And, uh, he called back again and said, hey, come and, come and let's, just, let's sit down and talk. And, and so I said to Jeannie, I said, hey, yeah, I'm going to go meet Pastor Buck again. And, and she says, well, what are you going to tell him? And I said, I'm going to tell him no. And she said, well, you should tell him yes. She says, I got peace. I said, okay. I just said, okay. Went and said, okay, we'll do it. It's interesting to me that sometimes I had direction that my wife didn't have. And other times she had direction that I didn't have. You know, it's been 37 years, and there has not one question in my mind. It was exactly what God wanted us to do, exactly, right? I knew the one time, she knew the other times. You know, sometimes God makes it very clear to both, but God doesn't always make it clear to both of you, right? Sometimes he just makes it clear to one of you, Right? We, just, we, need to, we need to be open to what God is speaking to us. Say, uh, our time is up, so I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. And, and you may be here and be in a very similar situation to the situation I was in 47 years ago. I'd been to church. I believed in God. But I was not right with God. And if someone had said, are you a Christian? I would have probably said, yes, I'm a Christian. And I've said to people before, are you a Christian? And these are the responses. I hope I am, I'm trying to be, I'm doing my best. I guess I'll find out if I'm right with God when I die. Those are all the wrong responses. See, you know something that isn't true. John one verse 12. To as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. And whosoever will call on his name, you will be saved, you will be. And if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm gonna ask everybody, whether you're here or whether you're online, if you can, please put one hand over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, We're going to pray together. I want you to make these words your own. and Just say this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer. My past is gone. And I'm a part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus name. Amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the word of God. We upload weekly. So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.